Hello and welcome to the Hormones in Harmony podcast. I'm your host, Vivian Allred, naturopathic nutritional therapist and hormone enthusiast. If you want to learn how to rebalance your female hormones, regulate your menstrual cycle and reclaim your vitality, then you are in the right place. Each week I will be delving into different conditions such as PCOS, endometriosis, infertility, hypothyroidism, acne and hair loss. Stay tuned for interviews with expert guests, Q&As and solo episodes that are all intended to help you move from hormonal chaos to hormonal harmony. If you'd like to submit a question for me to answer on the podcast, then you can email them to hormonesinharmony at gmail.com. The information shared on this podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not designed to replace the advice of your health practitioner. That said, let's get into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Hormones in Harmony podcast. I just want to start by saying happy February. Is it just me or did January feel never ending? I'm preparing to move and it just felt like the the whole of last month was just a, a whole drag and I was excited for February to begin. And yeah, I'm going to be moving in a few weeks time, hopefully if they don't push it back again. So that should be fun. I'm going to take a little break from work for a week or so, I think, just to ease myself in. And then I'm just going to really dive into some detox as well, because currently I'm living in a mouldy environment and it's affecting my health. So I'm going to spend the first week doing coffee enemas and infrared saunas and detoxes and fasting, all that good stuff. So I'll probably document the whole experience on social media just so you can come along with me and see how I feel if I notice difference. Because the mold, the mold symptoms are a little bit of a pain, and I'm glad that I've uncovered what could be going on. But it's a bit of a stress having to deal with it now. But I'm going to do an episode or maybe a blog post on some of the signs that I had mold or have um, struggles with mold currently. How did I know? Like, what are some of the physical symptoms, blood work that may have indicated it? Don't worry, I'll definitely talk about it. I just need to get around to doing that because. I'm still figuring some of this out. It's quite a new subject for me and I'll definitely show when I know more about that. But today we're talking about something completely different. That said, it could be related in some ways, um, not as frequently, but we're talking about amenorrhea, so missing periods. And you may have heard my health journey before, but I'll talk a little bit about my experience with amenorrhea, which is loss of periods. And this episode we're talking about secondary amenorrhea. So primary amenorrhea is where you've never had a period. Secondary is where you've had a period and now you're missing one for some reason. So that's the type that we're going to be talking about. There are other medical reasons for primary, but you'd um, need to have that investigated with your doctor and do some testing for that. So for me personally, I started my period around the age of 14, which I thought was quite late, but I think that's common in my family. And having PCOS, that may be involved as well. A lot of women start the period later, like 14, 15, 16. Some people don't get a period, they just go straight on the pill, which isn't a real period. And I remember really wanting my period to start because all my friends had started early. Some were like 11 and 12. A lot of them started in the first year or two of high school. So I was a little bit behind and I was quite frustrated and when it finally came, I didn't want it. I was like, oh God, why have I been like looking forward to this? It's not great at all. I have to put more effort into certain things now and really take a um, really think about things before I leave the house. And beforehand, I would just like float, float around and not really have to deal with anything. So my period came age 14. 
and I literally had no problems at all for the first few years. So it would come regularly. I didn't track my period or anything at that point. I don't know if I was ovulating, but I didn't have any PMS. I didn't have breast tenderness, no time off school, no pains. I remember my friends were like having time off school and like crippled over with pain, painful periods. And I just couldn't relate at all because I had no problems. So it's one of those lucky, annoying ones. I didn't have any skin issues. My hair was thick and glossy. And all of that changed when I was like 16, 17. And I was, I'd left school at that point and I joined the gym, started over-exercising, not fueling my body correctly. And acne, I think, was my first symptom. So my skin started to get really bad. My hair started to falling out and my period also stopped around the same time as well. And again, at first, I didn't really care. It, it wasn't a priority for me. Um, I was looking better. I was losing weight. I was getting a lot of compliments for my physical appearance. So I didn't really care if my period was missing. It was actually my mum who figured out that I wasn't having a period and made me go to the doctors after a good three to four months because we thought it might come back. We just kept saying, well, wait and see what happens. Is it going to come next month? And it didn't. So she forced me to go to the doctors at the four month mark. They did some testing, some blood work, um, said that certain hormones were a little bit too low, some were a little bit too high. I don't remember, I should have asked at the time. But I also had an ultrasound that showed I had follicles on my ovaries, like multiple follicles, and I was diagnosed with PCOS. My thoughts, looking back, was maybe I was going through hypothalamic amenorrhea, which we're going to touch on a little bit. But these two can go hand in hand. So hypothalamic amenorrhea is loss of period due to stress. Stress being mental, emotional, physical, nutritional, all of these different things. So I don't know exactly what went on because I don't know what my labs were like at the time. They don't really tell you, but I lost my period. And my options were wait and see what happens. But they didn't give any lifestyle advice. So I would have continued with the same routine. I thought I was doing a good thing. I thought I was really healthy or go on the pill. And he said that that would bring back my period, stop my hair loss and clear up my skin. So obviously I went with that option. The first pill was terrible. We'll not go into all of that, but led to some not so great side effects like depression. But the second pill, yes, my I had a bleed every month. And at the time I thought that was my period, but it's actually a withdrawal bleed from a synthetic, the synthetic hormones that you're given. Not a lot of people know that, but I really want to make that clear that the hormones, the hormones aren't yours. You're not cycling your own natural hormones. They're synthetic. And when you take the, the sugar pills for the week, like the break week, that triggers a decline in hormones. And that's what triggers a withdrawal bleed. So not the same at all. And then after a while, I became more health conscious and wanted to really improve my health for real, like eating nutrient dense foods. Um, not just like the low fat, low calorie craze that everyone was doing. I cut back on my exercise a little bit. I started seeing a nutritional therapist and this was after all of my gut issues as well. If you want to know the, the whole story, then listen to episode one of the Hormones in Harmony podcast on my journey from hormonal chaos to hormonal harmony, because this explains it all. So I'm just speeding it up and talking about the period issues on this one. But I came off the pill with the help of my nutritional therapist and I didn't get a period for two years. There were multiple factors involved, like nutrient deficiencies, quite severe ones as well, malabsorption, gut infections, thyroid issues at the time. So there's, real, there's really no wonder how it didn't come back. But that I didn't care at first that I didn't have a period, like back when I was 16. But when I was 21 and came off the pill, that was 
all that I cared about. That's all I thought about all day long, every day is to get my period back because I didn't feel feminine. I felt like I'd lost my femininity and I just felt like quite boyish. And I also had the acne and the hair loss and all of that as well. And having PCOS, you can kind of feel like that more of a masculine energy. And I really wanted my period back. And that became my goal. Everything that I ate, I tried to eat for hormonal health. I revolved my life around trying to get my period back. And the period is a sign of overall health. It's an indication of how well you're taking care of your body. So not having a period isn't really a great sign. And in 2015, the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists said that the said in a study that the period should be classified as the fifth vital sign. So that's really interesting. Other vital signs, the other four are body temperature, blood pressure, pulse rate or heart rate and breathing rate, so the respiratory rate. And they believe that the period is just as important of a health indication of all of those things. And I totally agree. It's like your monthly report card. So if it's terrible one month, then look back for the past one to three months to see how well or not you've been taking care of your body. It doesn't always have to be like, oh, I ate pizza last week, so that's why. Maybe it was the um, the Hindu that you went on, so like the, the, the party with your girlfriends like three months ago that, that's the trigger, like the Christmas and sugar and alcohol couple of months ago maybe that was a trigger for your periods being bad this month january and february like notorious times for terrible periods just fyi so you may not be alone if you're also experiencing that as well and eventually i got my period back like one day i think by that point i'd actually let go of control a little bit and i think that's a key point too which we'll touch on but i become i just kind of surrendered and thought my period's going to come when it comes I think the month before I had a little bit of breast tenderness. So I kind of thought something was happening again. I was getting stomach aches at the time quite frequently because my gut was still not great. So I didn't really know the difference between cramps and a real period. But yeah, one day it came and I remember that first day I was absolutely starving. I was ravenous. I was eating like dates and dried fruit dipped in peanut butter, which I don't usually eat things like that. But my body was just like starving for these nutrients and I had to put on quite a lot of weight because of all of the gut things. I dropped down to 58 kilograms. So I'm 5'11 and healthy body weight for me is like 75 kilograms. So I dropped, um, I dropped quite a lot of weight because of all my gut issues and food sensitivities. So part of me regaining my period was having to gain weight back. That can be really anxiety provoking for a lot of women and me being quite fit when I originally lost my period and getting lots of compliments for that. That body image issue thing was a really big problem, but I thought of putting my health first. There's a nutritional therapist I knew at that point that I was, I was still in college actually, but I knew that weight didn't equal health. And sometimes you do have to put on some quote healing pounds to make your body feel safe and nourished and well-fed. And that's really what my body needed. But because I have PCOS as well, I became more insulin resistant because of all the gut issues. So because I'd eaten like too low calorie for too long, not because I wanted to keep at low body weight, but because physically I couldn't eat a lot of food. It was a mess. I'd become more insulin resistant because of that. Combined with already having PCOS and being an increased risk of insulin resistant, I was very inflamed. 
and all of that led to me gaining even more weight than I should so I actually put on too much weight and got to like um 85 around that I didn't I stopped weighing after a, a while but 85 kilograms so I was quite um I was like a UK 14 16 in pants at, at one point and my period actually came back when I was that weight but long term that's not a healthy weight for me and um, I needed to lose that but not right away my body would let me know when it was time to gently decrease some of these things and let go of that extra weight that I needed to heal long-term side effects of not having a period that is an increased risk of osteoporosis and uterine cancers which doctors usually scare women they fear monger them I received this as well um, into going back on the pill because of all of these risk factors and it is a concern like if you're not having a period for a few years usually in my opinion it's when you hit that five-year mark I'd be more concerned rather than just a few years but the recommendation is just to go back on the pill which impacts bone health and cancer risk in other ways so the synthetic hormones that I use aren't the same as your own natural hormones so they're not actually supporting bone health um, that much more and they can cause nutrient deficiencies mineral imbalances and inflammation that worsen bone health and also um, put you at increased risk of inflammatory conditions like cancer as well. So kind of just trading one problem for another, in my opinion. And other symptoms that you may be experiencing if you have amenorrhea depends on why the reason is, but some more common ones that I hear and have felt personally would be fatigue because you need hormones um, like testosterone and estrogen to um, create energy and really function just in day-to-day -day life low mood and anxiety because estrogen has a massive impact on mental health and serotonin production as does progesterone that's more like the chill pill the anti-inflammatory anti-anxiety helps with sleep type of hormone skin issues because estrogen and progesterone have a, a positive influence on your skin in excess that's the other way and some of the synthetic forms of those have a negative effect but it can really it can cause some acne and um, having amenorrhea or dry skin or eczema immune issues as well and digestive issues these would be the most common symptoms i see and reasons for secondary amenorrhea would be and um, we'll talk about a few of them like pcos this is because high androgen levels can interfere with ovulation process and therefore your period so a lot of people just want to get their period back and i really should have named this something else but i don't think it would have resonated as much we want to focus on 10 steps to getting your ovulation back but you can have a period without ovulating that's an unhealthy period if you ovulate you will always have a period or you will fall pregnant either of those two so the goal ideally should be focusing on ovulation but high androgens can interfere with that you can have high androgens for a number of reasons like inflammation stress um insulin resistance and in the next month i'm going to be releasing my pcos success online course which will teach you about all of these things and will help you get your period back um regardless of what the cause is all of these different things you'll be helped otherwise but it's specific to pcos the next one is hypothalamic amenorrhea so this is the one that i thought i was dealing with originally i'll never know but they can go hand in hand with pcos and this is where the body senses danger and shuts down ovulation and fertility as a protective mechanism 
because evolutionarily, like back in the day, it wouldn't be safe to fall pregnant if there was a famine, if there was a war going on, if we were being chased by a saber-toothed tiger. Your body will want to reserve energy and protect you, protect, protect a potential baby uh, during those times. It could be that you're under eating calories. I see this a lot when people switch to a quote healthy diet. They go from eating thousands and thousands of calories of junk food when they're in their teens and maybe they feel fine with that, but then they swap everything over to cauliflower rice and um, lentil pasta and um, low fat foods and lots of vegetables, which are nutritious, but they don't contain as many calories in the body. Although they're eating the same quantity of food, they're not eating the, the right amount of calories for their metabolic needs. Calories aren't the only thing, like nutrients are as important as well and hormonal health, but calories still do play a role as well. Or it could be that you're under eating a specific macronutrient, like carbohydrates. This would be different if you have PCOS and high androgen levels, because you may not, this may not be the problem for you. You may actually get your period back on a lower carbohydrate diet. So this is why it gets a little bit confusing. But if you have hypothalamicaminuria, so you went through a stressful period at work, maybe you started training for a marathon or wanted to get shredded for um, the summer, any of those things, and your period stopped, then it could be um, maybe that you are no longer eating carbohydrates, you require a little bit more. Or it could be that you are stressed mentally and emotionally, or even physically with something like a, a gut infection and overexercise as well. So too much exercise, not enough rest. You're doing back-to-back -back sessions like I was. You're just not sleeping and recovering like you should be. And I have a whole episode on hypothalamic amenorrhea. It's episode number 15 with Nicola Rinaldi. And we talk about all about HA on there. Um, I will give the heads up that I don't agree with everything that she says in terms of the treatment protocol because she says that you just need to eat anything any food pizza pasta ice cream which if you are overall healthy then that's fine but if you have gut issues if you have food sensitivities and sometimes it's like trading one problem for another so yes you may get your period back but now you're probably more inflamed you're more insulin resistant so i i work with clients to um, overcome ha with a nutrient-dense diet just so they're not running into more problems Low thyroid function is another reason for secondary amenorrhea. It can go alongside both of the previous conditions, so HA and PCOS, and it's where the metabolic rate slows down when the body's trying to conserve more energy. Again, it's a protective mechanism, but the energy needed for ovulation and menstruation now goes to fueling your brain and your digestive system and your liver because everything's slowed down. It's trying to um, conserve all of this energy and it's making you tired so that you're not continuing to push too hard or work too much it's going to make you tired and sleep there's all reasons for low thyroid like an autoimmune condition Hashimoto's is the most common that would be more of a gut and immune system disorder it could be nutrient deficiencies it could be heavy metals and you need to get a full thyroid test to rule that in rule that out including the thyroid antibodies have a lot of episodes on thyroid health. It could be due to just general hormone imbalances, either high or low levels. Sometimes body fat can play into this. So if your body fat gets too high, especially conditions like PCOS, it can stop your period. And on the other hand, on the other side as well, just for the average woman, if your body fat reduces below a certain percentage, you can lose your period. And it doesn't necessarily have to be like anorexic state or like really 
five percent body fat or anything like that it can just be that you lose 10 pounds and you think that's fine um and it may not be right for your body and you just kind of stress your body too much with that seemingly small weight loss it all depends on your family history your genetics all of that plays into it as well and there could be issues with one of the glands or organs that produce hormones like the ovaries the pituitaries um things like environmental toxins heavy metals emotional stressors or blockages poor gut health not in, you'd like not absorbing enough nutrients and vitamins from your food because conditions like celiac disease lots of periods or hormonal disruptions can be one of the signs not necessarily digestive issues if you're not breaking down and absorbing the food that you're eating to have healthy hormones lastly the discontinuation of hormonal birth control can trigger amenorrhea and some people like come off the pill or come off the um patch or injection and they'll get the period the next month and sometimes they fall pregnant the next month and that's great like if you want to do that that's fine there may be some detrimental effects to your health having that happen um, and falling pregnant and your child but for other women it could be six months or it could be up to like two years some women don't get their period back at all depending on their age and all that when stopping the pill and this is normal i wouldn't say it's ideal most women on average will get the period back within like three to six months if it gets above that then i would recommend working with someone going seeing your doctor just to let them know and doing some investigations at that point and sometimes it can be worse the longer you are on it so if you've been on it for two decades then it could be that you've really messed up your hormones and it's going to take a while for it to come back but that's not always true some people they take it for three months and they don't have a period afterwards for two years so it's very different and there's no like set times and um i just always recommend seeking help at that that six month mark so the 10 steps to getting your period back we're going to start off with figuring out why your period went missing so do a timeline go back to when you first started your period what was it like then was it irregular and um, really strange from the get-go would it come one year once and then the next year you'd have it every two weeks or has it always been lengthy so 40 or 50 day cycles and what was happening around the time that it first went missing so not just that month so say it went missing in in july not just looking at july because you could have been absolutely fine nothing could have happened look back to um april may june those months to see if anything had changed have you started training for a marathon have you joined the gyms trying to get abs for summer are you having a stressful event at work have you moved across the country have you split up with your partner these are really important things so writing them down and also getting some support with blood work to see exactly what's going on with your hormones so basic blood work is there a nutrient deficiency are you low in iron do you have a thyroid issue do you have high or low estrogen um, do you have high or low androgens? And this is really important. Make sure you get the printout of the copies as well, because you're likely to be told that everything's fine, but there could be some slight imbalances that may not be picked up. Maybe your conventional doctor isn't testing everything that's needed. So I personally use um, the hormone test Dutch, dried urine test for comprehensive hormones to get some answers like this. I don't often start off with that when someone has amenorrhea, because we usually do a couple of months work of 
treatments and um, supporting all of these factors that we're going to be talking about. And then we turn to a test when things are starting to um, change a little bit. But you could just go off with a certain test like that from the get-go if you want to seek out some more answers. And looking at your diet as well. So did you recently go vegan or do like a 60-day carb-free challenge? It may not seem like you may not remember, but try and try and go back and think of all of these little nuanced things because they may not seem like big factors, but they really could be. Step two is to make sure that you aren't under eating. So it's worth tracking for a week or two on an app like MyFitnessPal, Chronometer. Do it for a week or two, then delete it. Like you don't need to continue. I don't recommend tracking for the rest of your life. But most people, most women think that they're eating a lot because they're eating these big nourish bowls and um, big salads and smoothies, which are filling, but they're not actually um, calorically dense. And a lot of women need around 2000 calories, just on average. If you're very petite, you're a little bit overweight and inactive, you're probably going to need a little bit less. Whereas if you're a tall woman, if you're a gym goer, if you're very active in your job, you're going to need more. If you're breastfeeding, you're going to need more. And signs of undereating, you may not feel hungry or anything like that. Your symptoms may not come out in that way, but you could just be thinking about food all the time. This is a big one. And it could be that you dream about food. You always planning and thinking what your next meal is going to be. That could be that you're not eating enough. It could be that you're quite tired all the time or you have anxiety, low mood. Your recovery from exercise is great like you're swollen and inflamed after you go to the gym. These are signs that you're under eating. Constipation could be another one because there's just not enough bulk there to have a bell movement. Um, and yeah, certain cravings for food like sugar could be that you're under eating. Insomnia. And try to increase like 50 to 100 calories per week. If you do feel like, oh, I'm only, I'm only reaching 13, 1400 calories, I really need to bump it up. You can't go straight to 2,000 calories from there because you will gain weight, um, most likely, and you will probably feel terrible doing that. So just increase 50 to 100 calories per week. So that's like half to one tablespoon of nut butter, probably, or olive oil. And see how you feel. Is your sleep improving? Do you feel more energy? Do you feel less energy? This is all important information. And if things start to feel good, that's a good sign that you're on the right track. And carbohydrates, same with that as well. If it's common for women to have PCOS to start off with, they start to improve their diet. Maybe they take it a little bit too far. So they go keto or very low carb. And all of a sudden they go from PCOS to having hypothalamic amenorrhea. So their period goes missing and it's because they've gone too low carbohydrate as well. And everyone has a certain carb threshold and Certain people do better with a high carbohydrate diet. Some people do better with a lower carb, higher fat diet. Hypothalamic amenorrhea, if that is the case for you, there's a whole thought with the, the even with the podcast I, I mentioned before, the one on hypothalamic amenorrhea with Ronaldo. She thinks just get calories in wherever you can. Like if you want to eat the most caloric rich foods, pizza and pasta and pies and cakes the more the better in her opinion and you want to be reaching a minimum 2500 so if it is ha you really need to over overshoot your caloric intake just to signal safety and again you may need to put on a few more pounds than you'd like 
and that will trigger the body to feel safe and nourished and eventually your period would come back but definitely listen to that episode it gives you some more information on there as well but i prefer people to do it in a healthier way yes you can have the pizza and um cake every now and again as long as you don't have any health issues and inflammatory conditions food sensitivities else they're going to be worsened because of that and you can absolutely eat thousands of calories on a healthy diet i managed to do it and sometimes i do a little bit too much which is i'm not, not a massive problem but i find when people ask me like how do i eat healthy and try and eat enough they're like i'm losing weight i need i have a fast metabolism i need a lot of food you can absolutely do it so eat the fatty cuts of meat rather than the chicken breast have the beef brisket have the chicken thighs it's like slather everything with olive oil and butter and ghee and olives dark chocolate nut butters make a smoothie with some coconut milk coconut butter and if you're currently following a vegan diet or you, you don't eat a lot of protein overall that may be something that you need to address as well i know it's all the craze these days um and yes people think they're doing a good thing are they really though in my opinion not necessarily and they're eating they're making better just like eating more vegetables and be more conscious about the food they eat but they're actually missing a lot of key nutrients like zinc and iron bioavailable protein you need quite a lot of protein when you're recovering from hk to um signal ovulation support the thyroid support the adrenals amino acids um, help to create your sex hormones so estrogen progesterone thyroid hormones androgens they all require amino acids from protein to actually build hormones along with cholesterol which is another thing that could be lacking on a vegan diet step three is consider switching up your exercise routine Depends again on the cause of amenorrhea. So if you have PCOS, you're overweight, you have insulin resistance, then maybe you're inactive, maybe you need daily movement. This could be key for you to losing the excess weight, reducing inflammation, promoting circulation in the body, reducing any stagnation that's going on. But if you have adrenal issues, you're severely fatigued, you're underweight, you have hypothalamic amenorrhea, and you're doing a lot of exercise currently, then you're probably doing the opposite of what you should be doing. Very different for everyone, but most people do well with walking. That's just generally good and helps to reduce stress and support hormonal health and isn't too intense. Most people can do that. And yoga, gentle yoga, not like the fast pace, Bikram yoga that's 90 minutes long. Strength training is a little bit of a funny one. If you're doing like three sessions a week and limiting it to 30 40 minutes that that's when cortisol starts to fight it could be good for you to do that some people just need to stop any gym exercise for a period of time but that doesn't mean don't exercise at all it's probably going to be even worse for you to just lie on the couch and do nothing all day don't become inactive this can this can just worsen other things you're going to be more inflamed you're going to be more insulin resistant so just keep moving but if you're currently doing quite a lot of exercise, cut it down, cut down the duration, the intensity, have more rest days, make sure your sleep's in check. Try and do the opposite of what you're currently doing. Step four is to spend more time in the parasympathetic nervous system state. So this is the rest, digest, heal, as opposed to the sympathetic nervous system state, which is the fight, flight, freeze mode. This is the key to healing any health issue, but particularly hormonal and menstrual related. 
the female body needs to feel safe, nourished in order to have a period. The modern woman really can struggle with this. We've got so many stresses from the minute we wake up. Back in the day, it was we get chased by a lion like once a week. And yes, it's scary, but five minutes later, like everyone's fine, we're safe. And we don't think about that again um, until it happens. Whereas now it's like stress after stress. We wake up and we're late for work and we scroll on social media first thing in the morning and compare ourselves. And then we get stuck in traffic and then we have a stressful meeting with our boss at work. And then there's traffic on the way home and it's just nonstop. And that can be really detrimental to a female body because it's not going to want to fall pregnant in that situation. So signal safety with your food, with your lifestyle. And the ultimate goal of your body, its dream is to fall pregnant. Like every single month it's trying to get pregnant unless you have amenorrhea. And if you're living this really fast-paced lifestyle, like you're a modern, busy woman trying to juggle everything, build an empire, still maintain your social life at the same time, there's just a lot going on. And logically, if you think about it, there's no real time to have a baby. Even if you don't want one now, that's the what your body's maybe thinking. There's no free minute in the day, so when could I possibly have a baby? So I'm not going to bother ovulating this month because there's no point in wasting all of this energy because I don't want to fall pregnant right now. And take time out for self, self-care. You need to schedule it and you're not going to do it. So do it like it's a meeting. Book yourself in for a massage or block out 30 minutes in the afternoon to just sit, have a herbal tea and do some deep breathing and stir out the outside into nature. Go for a quick walk around the block on your lunch break at work slow down like spend more time with your friends and your loved ones take an epsom salt bath once or twice a week really important stuff this is different for everyone so stress management for you maybe going for um a dance class or doing an hour meditation or yoga session for me i prefer going out in nature putting my headphones in and going for a walk doing some deep breathing you need to find what works for you Speaking of going outside for walks, step five is to get back into nature. So exactly that, spending more time outdoors for the fresh air, the vitamin D, when the sun comes out, hopefully in the next few months in the UK. If you're lucky enough to be somewhere with sun and warm weather currently, lucky you, you need to really take advantage of that because not having it is not great. And what I also mean by getting back to nature is circadian rhythm. You may have heard episode 53 so a few episodes back now my interview with Andy Mantz who is the founder of the company Blue Blocks and we talked all about the importance of circadian rhythm which is still one of my favorite episodes of all time so please go and listen to that one if you haven't already there's a huge connection between our body clock so our circadian rhythm with hormonal health and fertility and when we start our periods when we go into menopause it's all determined by a body clock that we have some influence over not entirely but most women ovulate with the full moon and menstruate with the new moon so as women we're very in sync with these things we're very in sync with the moon cycles and because of hormonal birth control usage not working not spending time outdoors working under artificial lighting sitting in front of our screens in the evening when we should be preparing to sleep this is all messing with our natural body clocks and this can lead to infertility issues irregular cycles, low hormone levels, mood and energy issues as well. 
there's even people who follow um, Lunarception, or you can look a little bit more into this, and it's basically connecting more with the moon, and this helps them fall pregnant. So I think they have not done it personally to regulate cycles or anything, and you don't necessarily have to do it to get pregnant, but I think they sleep with the blinds or the curtains open during the three to four days of a full moon, and that really has an influence on the fertility levels and the hormonal levels. Even people, I've had clients who say, I tell them to go camping, like go camping if they're in the US or somewhere, it's harder in the UK, and watch the sunset, get up with the sunrise, take a break from technology for a weekend and connect with the earth again, take your shoes off, take your socks off and get into the, the grass. And the period comes back in a month or so. So it really is magical. It may not be the only thing, but it really is a key factor. And one of Andy's recommendations was to take a light break every few hours. So people, if you're in an office, may take a, a cigarette break or like a smoke break. You can request a light break. So go and stand outside for two minutes without any glasses or sunglasses on. This can interfere the, with the blue light entering your eyes. And just stand there. If it's summer, roll up your sleeves um, and get some natural sunlight every few hours. And this entrains your body to understand what time it is connect back with the earth and that can have a positive influence on your cycles and I think everyone needs to be wearing blue light blocking glasses in the evening especially if you're on your phone or watching tv like most of us are wear these from sunset onwards and the only brand that I recommend now is blue blocks so the guy who I interviewed it's his company and this isn't an affiliate code by the way it's just some discount for you to help you out and the code is hormones at checkout from the website blueblocks.com for 15% off your order. And yeah, tag me in your pictures of you wearing the glasses on Instagram and I'll love to share them up to my feed as well. And they're actually pretty cool. Like most brands that are available on Amazon that I've, I've worn in the past, like they do work, but they're not the coolest um, styles or anything like that. But Blue Blocks have made them so that they're definitely effective they've been um, researched and they filter all blue light that's needed you can get like an aviator design i've just got some cool ones it's like a real red lens that um, blocks the blue lights in the evening and helps us produce melatonin in the evening is where we detoxify and build hormones and repair tissues so sleep's an important part and falls into this category as well for restoring your period Step six is to connect with your sacral chakra. This is a little bit of a controversial one. You may not fully believe this, but it's absolutely true. The sacral chakra is um, the center of our emotional, creative, and sexual energy. And it regulates the energy associated with passion, pleasure, and sensuality. I believe with any symptom or any condition, there's always a spiritual, mental, and emotional um, energetic component to it regardless of what it is blockages in our sacral chakra can lead to issues like ovarian cysts irregular cycles heavy painful periods low libido period problems with issues and amenorrhea so some things to do to help with this you can go to reiki which helps to restore your chakras um, i think we've got seven of them from the head to the um the root, ch root chakra the sacral chakra and some things that you can do would be worm or orange. The color orange is associated with the sacral chakra. Eat more orange colored foods. These would be like squash, sweet potato, carrots, apricots, 
those types of things. And interestingly, there's another connection with the orange foods. Once we ovulate, we produce progesterone from the gland to the corpus luteum, which is formed from kind of the sac that's left behind from the egg. So it becomes this temporary gland. And corpus luteum can also be known as the yellow body. And it's fueled by carotenoids, which are antioxidants in the diet of a orange, yellow, and red pigment. So eating more orange-rich foods is going to help energetically, but also physiologically as well, because it's going to help fuel progesterone levels and the corpus luteum formation. So just an interesting one there as well. You can also try to become more creative, more self-expressive. So whether that's um, painting, whether that's dancing, especially like Zumba, belly dancing, moving your hips, twerking, all of that stuff is really helpful to get that energy moving in the sacral and the um, pelvic area. Working through any issues that you have around sexuality. If you've been brought up in a pretty conservative household where you thought that um, being a woman is a bad thing, sex being a bad thing, periods being dirty, you need to work through that as well. And go on dates, like have more fun, spend time with loved ones. Um, all very important to work on some of these more energetic components. There's certain chakral, there's certain sacral chakra crystals that could be helpful. I don't know if I'm going to pronounce these not right, but carn, carnelian, orange calite or salite, jasper, and moonstone. And I'll link all of these in the show notes just so you know exactly ones that I mean. So you can carry them around with you. You can um, keep them at the side of your bed, like hold them near your pelvis every night before you go to bed, do a little affirmation. I know this is pretty woo-woo, but I love this stuff. Use essential oils like ginger, orange, jasmine, neroli, rosewood, and bergamot. These help. And in yoga, hip openers like um, pigeon poles, happy baby poles. These will also support the sacral chakra and can help your period to come back. Step seven is to investigate your gut health because having a hidden food sensitivity, a hidden gut infection, low good bacteria um, can be a constant stress and inflammatory signal to the body that can shut down ovulation and therefore your period. It could be that you have low levels of good bacteria, which can lead to low levels of an enzyme called beta-glucuronidase, which I see more common being too high. This can lead to more estrogen-dominant related symptoms like painful periods, fibroids, worsening of endometriosis. But when it's too low, it can actually lead to low estrogen levels because you're not, you're not recirculating any estrogen. And I use the GI map to assess some of these things to see what's exactly going on. You could have zero digestive symptoms at all, but this could be stopping you from having regular ovulations of regular cycles. I also recommend mindful eating. So this is, comes into the stress component as well. So if you're going to prioritize stress management at any point of the day, it should be when you're eating um, and right before you go to bed. And spore-based probiotics, they're just generally helpful, I find, for most people to bring down any overgrowths that you might have or build up any, any deficiencies that you have in your gut, restore any um, intestinal permeability. So like adaptation to the gut, these spore-based probiotics, um, as opposed to the regular lactobacillus Cillus, bifidobacterium that you get in most, most health food shops, I don't see them being effective in my experience. And you could literally have no digestive symptoms at all and still have some severe gut issues. I see that over and over again all the time. And 
the treatment for each of these different problems is a little bit different, hence why it's good to test and not guess in this situation. And if you're, you could be eating the most perfect diet, taking all of these supplements and doing all the right things, but you're probably not, you may not be absorbing them and that's going to hinder your progress as well. Step eight is to support liver detoxification. I think we all need to focus on this area living in the modern, modern world these days. We're just bombarded by chemicals and toxins in the environment that can mimic certain hormones in the body and lead to high or low levels. So cleaning up your home environment, in particular the places that you spend the most amount of time, your home and your office or your work. Any scents or smells or plugins, air fresheners, conventional beauty brands, makeup, sanitary products even. When your period does come back, you want to get into the habit of um, using non-toxic products. And these things can enter through the skin or the lungs and can mess with our hormones. So they can sit in the receptor site and stimulate the hormone or they can sit in the receptor site and block your own natural hormones. So that's why they can lead to low testosterone levels or high androgen levels, high testosterone, high or low estrogen. It's all very individual to the person. And the liver's involved in activation and clearance of hormones and hundreds and hundreds of other different jobs in the body. So if it's backed up with pollution, pesticides, heavy metals, alcohol, trans fats, there's going to be a lot of things that it can't do. And some are more important than others. So having a period, like in the grand scheme of things, it's not really important. Whereas detoxifying metabolic waste and um, some potentially dangerous things is the, is the priority for your body. You don't necessarily need a cleanse or detox or anything like that. Although I'm not necessarily against them. I know that they're deemed like bad things these days. There's a time and a place. Depends on the situation. Like if you're very toxic, you've got a lot of things going on, then yes, maybe. But for the average person, just do daily things to support detoxification. So staying hydrated, removing the inflammatory fats, eating enough protein, eating enough B vitamins, they're going to go a long way. Step nine is to consider some smart supplementation. I think most people do require at least one or two supplements just for overall health. But when you have amenorrhea, it could be due to a nutrient deficiency along with many other things. They're very common and a lot of them aren't tested by conventional doctors. I think they only believe that you can only be deficient in B12, iron and vitamin D because they're the only ones that they really test. And even then the reference ranges are just too inaccurate and they miss a lot of people with suboptimal levels. So they don't even test things like zinc, magnesium, selenium, and iodine, which are really important for ovulation and therefore your period. Ovulation and menstruation is a very energy and nutrient intensive process. So it requires a lot of, a lot of energy, a lot of nutrients to do things properly. Food alone may not be enough to restore a serious deficiency. Like if you're starting here, then it's going to take you a long time to build up with food, if at all. Whereas if you take a supplement, you can get up there already and then just maintain with a good diet. And again, even someone on a perfect organic diet, I'd say my diet is pretty good and high quality, but I still need to supplement. I can tell a huge difference when I don't because the soil is so depleted. Food is shipped for like days on end and it's picked too early. It's stored in warehouses for a long period of time. So the environment isn't the best um, that it could be. And that's reflected in lower nutrient dense foods. Vitex or chase tree berry is one that could be useful in some situations for amenorrhea because it works on the brain to ovary communication. It's not the miracle cure for everyone, especially if you have PCOS with high LH levels, so luteinizing hormone. 
this can be present in a lot of women and the way that vicox works is that it stimulates lh so if you already have a high lh levels we don't want them to get too high because it can worsen some of your symptoms like hair loss or acne in some people so check on your blood work to see um what your lh to fh ratio is and you need to take the vitex for at least three to six months minimum could be even longer and when you do finally get your period back i would continue for another three months or so and um, when your period returns just to be sure just to not shock the system and discontinue it right away and when your period does return you stop it on the days that you're bleeding and then take it the rest of the month say you have a 30-day cycle and a five-day bleed you take it 25 days of the month stop during the five-day period and then start it again and the right time to take it is first thing in the morning right before breakfast when you wake up as this is when hormones are naturally released other herbs may be used depending on the case so if you're someone who has anemia you're really depleted you have ha you have adrenal issues and thyroid issues you could be considered blood deficient in chinese medicine um, and have stagnant energy so some blood builders and circulatory supportive herbs would be nettle red raspberry leaf yellow dock and beetroot if your issue is more high hormones inflammation pcos those types of things that are driving your um, amenorrhea then things like liver supportive and blood sugar regulating herbs such as dandelion burdock Janema, cinnamon and salt palmetto may be the right ones for you versus your amenorrhea is driven by stress and you have ha and you have a really stressful lifestyle then adaptogenic herbs could be the ones for you so ashwagandha rhodiola tulsi holy basil ginseng maca this is you can see this is where it gets um, very individualized to the person so you can't just go out there and take all of these things because one one of them may not be right for you and as always, work with someone. If you are taking any medication, check with your doctor before just supplementing on your own and don't self-treat with some of these things because it can make the situation worse. Last but not least, I want you to act as if. So live your life as if you already had your period. So go out there and buy some tampons or a menstrual cup. Make sure that they're organic. If you buy tampons or pads, um, I prefer the menstrual cup. Saves um, the planet. There's less waste, cheaper in the long run, and it's a really good non-toxic alternative. And I have a blog post which I'll link to on the benefits of menstrual cups and why you should be using one. So yeah, stock up, keep them, carry one in your purse or your bag when you go traveling, take some tampons with you and just be ready for it to come because it will eventually come. You can start to track your symptoms. So if you experience any cervical mucus, some people don't like when they're not cycling, but Track and see if you see any changes to your cervical mucus and if it becomes more egg white texture at any point. Maybe you get some little twinges in your pelvis that could be ovulation related. Maybe your breasts get a little bit tender or your sex drive really increases one week. Start to write these things down because it could be that your period's on its way. And I also recommend following the moon cycles because as I mentioned before, a lot of women cycle with the moon. The full moon, they tend to ovulate the new moon they tend to have their period so just try and um just start to be aware of that and let your body know that right this is the time that most women ovulate so let's try and pick some hormones this may sound crazy but i've seen it work magically and combined with all these other things obviously you could try things like seed cycling and starting at the new moon 
and that 14 days from there you'd start with um, pumpkin and flax seeds and then from full moon to the new moon so for the last 14 days you'd have sunflower and sesame seeds and a link will post on seed cycling it can be a game changer for a lot of women some people see no change at all but it's worth a try and if you want to do everything that you can you're going to try some of these things and they're pretty inexpensive and simple it could be good additions like seeds are beneficial for health anyway for a lot of people so worth a try and i want you to be patient and remember that it takes a good three plus months minimum to notice shifts to your hormones because that's how long it takes for the follicle to mature into a full egg and then be released so all of the good changes that you're making today or this week won't really influence your health um at this present moment it's going to have a positive influence ongoing as well especially if you've been on a uh, history of hormonal birth control you need to be extra patient and just understand that the entire time that you're on there your brain to ovary communication have been shut down so now it has to learn how to reconnect and recommunicate again which can take time we're so used to quick fixes these days but be patient try to let go of control a little bit once you start to implement all of these things and just trust the situation you can try things like acupuncture reiki like i've mentioned as holistic practices join a dance class and go on some dates eat a lot of nutrient dense foods move your body but not too much not too little buy some tampons or pads and just trust the process and i'm not against medication or the pill there's a time and a place and a certain situation for them but you can understand how many of these things are overlooked you could have this chronic gut infection you could be under eating and yes you may get a bleed whilst you're taking these things but you're just going to be in the same situation if not worse if you go on the pill go back on the pill and um, for another five years and then when you come off you're probably in a worse situation so these recommendations aren't just going to help with bringing your period back um, they're going to help with health and hormonal balance overall as well so i hope you enjoyed this episode let me know on social media if you enjoyed it if you want any more 10 steps to a certain issue a certain symptom let me know i'm always open to recommendations and yeah i wish you all the best for the rest of the week and i will see you back here next week for another episode thank you for listening to another episode of the hormones in harmony podcast if you like this episode please leave me a rating and review as this helps to spread the word to other women dealing with hormone imbalances as a massive thank you gift i'll send you a free guide six steps to hormonal harmony all you need to do is screenshot your rating and review then email it to me at hormonesinharmony at gmail.com and i'll send you the link to download this free guide if you haven't already check out my website vivanaturalhealth.co.uk and instagram page at vivanaturalhealth for tons more free content and inspiration You can also schedule a free 30-minute hormone troubleshooting call to find out the next steps to take in order to overcome your symptoms naturally. See you back here next week for another episode.